Welcome to the Heroes of Reality podcast, a podcast about the game of life and the hero's journey we all experience. Let's jump in with our host, Dylan Watkins, as he introduces today's guest. Welcome, young adventurers. Dylan here. This is going to be an awesome podcast with my friend Tipitat Chenavasan. He is the general principal uh, managing partner for the Venture Reality Fund. I'm very excited. I've known him for a number of years through OCVR and all the other endeavors. I've ran across him at several virtual reality events. He's always at the cutting edge. He's got great and insightful things to say. And so without any delay, I'd like to welcome my friend Tipitat. Hey, Dylan. Thanks so much for having me. Really honored to be here and speaking to your audience and just chopping it up, man. It's been a while. It's been too long. I I miss going to the conferences and seeing you and chatting. And Absolutely, brother, man. I I always, it's one of those things that like going to those conferences, I always feel like it's almost like, especially being at this kind of cutting edge technology stuff, coming across friends like that, it's like an oasis in the desert. You come across them, you're like, it's you. It's so good. Fellow traveler, look what I've brought. And then like you trade goods and ideas and thoughts and drinks. And uh, I I miss that so much from uh, those types of events. So it's nice that we're uh, seemingly getting past that whole epoch and era and uh, and hopefully on to better things. But um, seemingly all for the better for virtual reality and this type of cutting edge technology. how is it? How's it been for you, from your perspective, uh, be, with this whole um, pandemic thing that we we've gotten through? How, how have you seen it affect the whole virtual reality market and everything? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's definitely one of those things where you know I think others have have commented about how much you know uh, VR and AR has really blossomed. It's kind of mm-hmm. gone from like a need to have or, or a nice to have or a future thing to a hey we needed this yesterday and you know we need more of this and yeah it's it, it's it's like this idea of okay yeah the pandemic you know accelerated the digital transformation but then it also really kind of highlighted this idea of okay why do we do this when we can do these other things and when we couldn't do these other things oh my gosh this became the only way to do things in, uh, certain for certain uh, you know especially in, in the enterprise but you know even from mm-hmm. home like yeah. You know, We've seen this boom of you know consumer VR because of the Quest Two and the Quest Two, uh, you know because of you know the great games that are on Steam, you know like PSVR, you know can still continues to be pretty strong. And so you know just knowing that yeah like consumer VR hit that you know like even before the pandemic had really like turned a corner and proven that it was you know really happening. And then the uh, you know, the pandemic just kind of accelerated and. It's been fantastic, honestly. Like you know, for me too, right? Like, I was supposed to be uh, in Thailand, at best man for one of my closest friends for his wedding, and the pandemic didn't allow that to happen. And oh. so, you know, I couldn't do the bachelor party. I couldn't do any of these things. But what I did was, you know, I bought a bunch of us, you know, Oculus Quests, sent <laughs> it out to Thailand, and then we would get together and hang out. And we actually got to hang out more now because you know it's yeah. not just a one weekend thing, but but it's like, oh yeah, we. We, we, we're playing Onward, we're playing Demia, like, you know, there's just so many great experiences and, and and it's awesome, right? Like, so I feel like these are one of those things that, you know, the pandemic has really kind of shown this is exactly what VR can do. And yeah, I've always, you know, hated when people are like, oh, VR is so antisocial. And you're like, no, it is absolutely not. It is more social, you know, than anything else. And just because you're not social in this, with the person in the same room with you, but you can be social with anyone and have that same kind of like, rich presence and a deeper social experience than you've ever had online before like that's 
really the power. So not, not not to dive too deep into that, that but yeah, I, I do Thanks feel like story. Yeah, man, it's 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 like yes, like VR, you know, and AR have really become you know huge parts of my life, now, like more so than ever, and, and it's awesome. Yeah, and you bring up a really good point. And for people that haven't, you know, drank the Kool Aid as we have, um, there's like these magic moments in VR. These moments that kind of shift what what virtual reality means to you and how you perceive what's possible for it. And one of those magic moments that that hit me in a different place than it sounds like it hits you is when you have your first social experience. You're with your friends. You lose yourself in that kind of group flow state and you make these kind of oh my god memories together and you have those memories like oh that's great go over here throw that grenade shoot that gun yeah we got it and that magic kind of like burns into your soul a bit and and I, i'd love to like talk talk to me a little bit about like some of those magic moments you had with vr some of the magic whether with your friends playing onwards or when you first got your headset what are a couple of those moments that, that got you um to really spearhead and be one of these driving forces in the, in the whole virtuality industry sure sure i mean I, I guess i should kind of roll it back and talk a little bit about my, my background and yeah you know, uh but but you know for me my background coming into this like yeah, as a kid i just i, I love animation right i always felt like magic in the real world like there was no pure magic than drawing images on a paper and making something come to life like that was amazing and as you know as a little kid i did like stop motion animation with my parents camcorder mm -hmm. but then you know uh, uh, you know kid of the 80s so then when i got my first game console or played you know the first game consoles back then even though they're just primitive uh, you know uh highly pixelated sprites you know basic controllers on the atari yep. you know the first time i like you know got a high score on like track and field i was just like oh my god this is amazing <laughs> this is even more magical because Best now ever. you can directly control this in right. real time right and so yeah that, that idea of like okay this is what you know modern day magic is and it's like you can create a world where anything can happen anything is possible and so i've always kind of loved both art and animation and uh and then programming and you know making my first calculator games and then I, I was really big into you know during the flash booms and like the web uh, you know web 1.0 days uh where flash animation became a thing and then with yeah. like flash programming games in flash uh new grounds was a really popular site and i submitted stuff to that and you know just like that whole thing of like you know anything's possible you know we're gonna make crazy stuff most of it's gonna be terrible but you know the idea that anyone with a computer could contribute and make something that mm. yeah at that time it was like oh my god maybe a hundred people could play this that would be amazing right and, yep. and so that like you know just just got me excited about this whole idea of like okay anyone can be a creator you know you didn't have to work for some big company you could put something put it on the web people could try it like this like weird you know demo scene or you know and, and again not thinking about like trying to make money not thinking about you know just trying you know, just trying to share joy right and yeah. that's like that fundamental idea and i, I think I liked, yeah, I was listening to, yeah, it was your talk with, um, with, oh gosh, why am I blinking on it? I feel so embarrassed now. Uh, but with um, one of the most important, you know, uh, game designers that's, that's you know, worked in gaming and, and get in VR specifically. No, no, this is um, Jesse Shell. Uh, Jesse Shell. Yes, yes, yes. And you're talking about like, are you building this for yourself? Or are you building this for other people to enjoy? Mm -hmm. And, and uh, like, there's definitely like for me it always starts like i just build this because i want to enjoy it but then once you've gone through that then you're like okay but now i need to like drag my brother in to try or I need to drag like my friend in to try and be like oh my god isn't this cool and so like there is that innate like you know i think that innate idea of 
creating something from nothing, you know, creating mm -hmm. something that you've wanted to experience and then getting other people to try it. Like that, that's always kind of been ingrained in me. I love that. And so, and I say both of them are, are equally important, right? Mm -hmm. Although I, I did like to say like, once I got the DK2, I said, even if this doesn't take off as an industry, I will forever be making stuff for this because this is so magical. Like this is the infinite canvas that I always wished for as a kid, right? Uh, and so, so that was really like my like first kind of, when I tried, like, yeah, even when I tried the DK1, I was like, okay, this is cool, but it's still not quite, you know, and, and it wasn't so much about the resolution or, or this, but but honestly, it, it just made me sick. And I was just like, oh my gosh, like maybe the VR re revolution isn't for me. But then when I tried, uh, you know, and that was because it was a three DOF, really low red system, you know, powered by my underpowered MacBook. Yep. And then when the DK2 came around, you know, I got the right machine, was serious about it, set up the camera. And once I, I had six degrees of freedom, head tracking, I was like, okay, that's the real magic. Like that was like okay. the mind blowing. Oh, okay. Now I can, I am completely convinced that the stack of cards on this desk is in front of me and this is a real thing and I don't have to like pretend. Right. And, and so, you know, then it came, okay, now what do you do with this? What are the experiences you make? Mm -hmm. and, and so, yeah, I started just sketching and just, I, and even with the DK one, I was just making these like really simple, silly experiments you know i was like oh yeah i'm a 3d artist i love anime i love you know 80s cartoons i made like optimus Tr prime transformer yeah full scale he transforms in front of you you're you know like yeah like cool <laughs> and, and then i made one where it was like oh godzilla i'd want to see god you know i'm standing you know in the street and i see you know godzilla walking by and the whole you know sh the whole world shakes with each footstep but then i remember it was uh you know someone had created the Seinfeld experience, experience. And it was like, go into Seinfeld's apartment. And I was like, God, if I could go anywhere and visit any kind of like movie set, TV set, like I wouldn't want to go to Seinfeld's like apartment. I want to go into the Matrix. Yeah. And so then, uh, yeah, I created this very simple demo. Mm -hmm. And it was also trying to play with this idea. Like, I love the idea of, you know, again, not just watching a movie, but what would a movie in the future be like? And you wouldn't be a person watching people interact. You would be the star of the movie or a character in the movie mm -hmm. and they would interact with you. It'd be it would be not how you watch a movie, but how you dream of the movie experience come to life. So now you're Neo, you're talking to Morpheus as he explains to you that the world is an illusion, right? Like that was like the thing I wanted to do because I love that idea of like, you know, having a presentation that felt like a mm -hmm. magic show and that idea that, you know, he can only do things like you start in the construct, then you go into, you know, the fake world, the 90s world. Then you go into the, you know, destroyed, dilapidated world. And so I put out this little demo. And it was not that great. You know, used free Unity assets. But, yeah, I thought it was still kind of fun. It was kind of, yeah, it was Matrix-ish. Especially ripping the audio from, uh, uh, from the movie, of course. And then even better, I was very lucky at that time. You know, there, there are a bunch of sites that would host real 3d models from video games that they rip from the video game from the direct x graphics and oh. so we got the awesome like you know full body scan uh yeah that was used in the path of neo game of morpheus and so it was like a legit looking morpheus like we created the rest of i created the furniture and all that kind of stuff but like at least morpheus looked like a pretty good morpheus yeah. um but anyways so, so 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 some people saw that was like hey mm. tip tat that was kind of cute but let's make a better version like a you know, where you actually are in the matrix and you're like doing cool stuff like 
dodging bullets and jumping over buildings. And I was like, okay, yeah, let, let's do it. So uh, Eric Bale uh, and John Dadley, a, a guy from Texas, that's an amazing game artist. And then a guy from um, the UK, that's an amazing uh, programmer. You know, we all kind of you know, joined forces in on nights and weekends, made a full version of this. You know, we call it, you know, the Matrix, I think we called it like the Matrix Rifters. I don't know. Or no, no, it was called Enter the Matrix VR. Right, I think that's what we call it. And then, and yeah, we put it on like, Oculus Share, but it had you know, these segments. We're like, oh, what would you do? And this was a, of course, this is DK2 before the Vive was out, before anyone thought about like hand controllers. So you still mm -hmm. had to use the controller to move things around, but you really got that six dot freedom. And we built custom sets. Like Eric built amazing sets, like pausing the DVD, recreating the rooftops so you could jump across buildings, recreating uh, the hallway scene. Oh. Um, the bullet time like, thing uh, at, at the very end where you actually stop the bullets yeah. and then the world turns into code yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. and then uh, and that was like the showstopper end scene but like just all of it right so we have the construct you know so we had the same intro that we i had before but now we had these interactive games you could play and so in the process of making the jump program uh-huh where you know you jump across the building and the way i did it was i wanted it to be head controlled so i did all the programming uh eric did the art and what we did was like yeah so you're running you, you press the button to jump and you kind of go where you look so most people kind of want to look down to kind of see like how far it is down and that makes them fall but if you yeah. keep your head up and kind of look over then you'll kind of jump and make it across so almost everyone falls the first time like because you're scared to look down yeah yeah because you, you just oh you just want to see like what does it look like and so in the process of making that jump program where I, you know i forced myself to fall down and i was like oh i have to make it feel faster i have to you know make the bounce feel better like all that kind of stuff uh you know i I don't know how many times I did the jump, but I accidentally cured myself with my fear of heights. Oh, and so that awesome. that was that big aha moment for me, where I was like, "Oh my gosh, this is like, okay, this changes everything. Like VR isn't just this silly next game system that I was thinking about. Like this is a brand new medium. The way like it reprograms our brain is more impactful than anything, and it's going to change not just how we play, but how we live, we work, we heal. There's so many applications, so many ramifications. And I, I like to say, like, you know, if a couple, you know, guys messing around on their nights and weekends can do something so profound as like curing me of my phobia. Imagine what you know millions of developers could be doing for an audience of billions, right? With this new technology. And so that's when I was like, okay, no, I'm all in on this. I this is what I want to dedicate my life to, you know, understanding what's you know, what's good about this, you know, how do we support the things across all of these different areas that will really move the needle. You know, I, I like to think of us as like, you know, say, okay. Like, this is the future of computing. How do we accelerate it? How do we make it happen faster? How do we make the right bets on people that are going to drive the ecosystem forward? You know, how do we really make sure, you know, what we're doing is bringing it in the right direction and in a good direction too, right? Like, I feel like with any t technology, you know, it can go bad, it can go good, or, you know, it can putter out. And how do we make sure that it keeps doing these amazing things that we think it can do? That's so cool. I mean, well, one, there's a lot of amazing things along that journey. Uh, what you're talking about is this is by following your passion, the things that, you know, just a, you're a, a, a gamer kid who's just excited by the technology and sharing the joy and experiencing and going, I want to make the Matrix. I want to make Godzilla. But by doing that, you had a transformative event that actually cured you of something that you, you feared. And then by the end of that, you're like, oh, wow, by accident, by following my joy, my passion, my inspiration, I actually found something profound with this technology to do by just going through the things I want to do, I got past this big scary block that I didn't think was possible. And now this whole universe of possibility comes forward. And so you basically want to be the fuel to the fire of innovation. You want to be able to kind of put rocket fuel into the system and be able to say, okay, 
industries aren't just birthed by themselves. It takes a lot of hardworking people to drive that forward with money, with time, with resources, passion, with dedication, with sleepless lights, and, and a couple of pocket packets of ramen and some some pizzas, you know. So, but that's what's really needed. So I love I love the journey that you went through on this on this path. Uh, so where where along this way did you did you kick out the the venture fund? What was the genesis from going from from being a coder technician guy uh, who made the matrix who cured his own phobia which is pretty darn cool um uh and, and then went into the venture fund space how did how did that shift happen and was there a, was it a was a transitionary moment that happened or was it gradual can you talk to me a bit about that process sure sure so yeah like with that aha moment i realized okay i want to do something more impactful than you know just make an experience i want to you know be more involved i want to see you know like what can I do in this ecosystem? And you know, mm -hmm. a, a lot of this was you know taking my demo and showing it to as many people as I can, trying to convince them too, because this was very early on that VR was amazing, that you could do these amazing things. And you know, I, I gave demos everywhere, and it, it was funny. Like, yeah, of course, all of the VR meetups. But even when I just meet random people, like you know, friends, you know, other entrepreneurs, you know, I, I had done it my own mobile gaming startup. And so, yeah, you know, I, I was kind of familiar with other investors and other people in the ecosystem. So anyone that would just be like, hey, tip a tat, you know, like, how are you doing? I'd be like, oh, you got to try VR and you got to try this demo I built, you know. And I, at one point, I felt like I was even giving demos out of, like, my the trunk of my car in a parking garage to my partner. <laughs> who at the time, Marco wasn't my partner. He was the company. You know, I, I knew him and he was a VC, a VC at a much bigger VC firm. Yeah. And, and yeah, you know, I was just like, you know, we really, you know, you got to be like paying attention to how amazing this can be. And I just felt like uh, the stories of like rappers back in the day selling like mixtape demos out of the trunk of their car. I felt like the same, I was doing the same thing for like <laughs> VR, right? Just trying to get people excited, get people to, you know, see what I was seeing. Yeah. Uh, and, and I realized, you know, like, and through that, like, you know, started getting a sense of what the ecosystem was like, you know, there were some investors out there that were kind of interested, especially, you know, cause Facebook bought Oculus. That was like, you know, a huge turning point for the industry. Right. And, and then, you know, all of a sudden all these investors are like, Hey, we're interested. We want, we want to be a part of this, or we want to invest in this, you know, what's the best way to do this. And then talking to a bunch of other people that are out there that are kind of like me, or, you know, even like, you know, do, thinking about doing startups in the space and kind of realizing that there was a kind of a disconnect that there weren't a lot of the people that were still in VR were, were just super passionate about it, but a lot of them didn't have a lot of startup experience and they didn't know how to talk and engage with investors. And, you know, I had that experience from doing my own uh, uh, mobile game company. And yeah, so, and then at the same time, like yeah, I talked to investors and they had no idea how to evaluate a lot of the VR companies and technologies, because again, you know, they're more generalist investors and they're, you know, used to looking at like a, you know, SaaS business or you know social media stuff company, but you know VR with all the weird you know new technologies and things to understand, so different, right? And especially yeah. if we think back then, right? This was before the you know before even the Rift had launched, before even the CV One had launched or Vive had launched, and so you know it was kind of like a really weird wild west out there. And you know I, I met a fund and they're like, hey. We, we really want to invest in VR, but yeah, you know, we're thinking about doing an incubator accelerator. Um, but you know, no one on the team has ever actually had a startup and had ever actually been in an incubator accelerator before. And I was like, yeah, you know, I, I've actually had a startup. I've been in an incubator before. I, I know it was not a very good incubator, so I have some ideas of what to do better. Yep. And so, yeah, I'd love to be a part of it. And, and you know, I met them because they had tried my demo and that was kind of my resume of like VR cred. And so I, you know, I, it, it's kind of silly where I, I want unwind this back. And it's like so many good things happened to me in this field and in this space because I built this demo 
just because I wanted to do it. And, and it wasn't like I, I didn't think it had any kind of commercial value. I mean, obviously not because, you know, I was stealing someone's IP, <laughs> but, you know, just, but just idea of like a passion project, you know, with some friends, nights and weekends. And it just, you know, again, it was you know, three or four nights and weekends. So it wasn't a huge amount of effort, but fortunately I knew Unity. I, I knew Photoshop. I knew like, you know, 3D modeling. I knew a lot of the technology, but the actual time to actually create this demo was very little, but the impact that it's had on my life has been profound. And, yes. you know, even to this day, I have, you know, like, you know, founders I've invested in were like, oh my gosh, mm. I played your demo. Like th those are the kinds of things that like brought me credibility into the scene. So whether I came as an investor, you know, not only could I, you know, talk the talk and you know talk about you know the tools and you know because i've used them firsthand but when they're like oh yeah tippetat's idea of what vr could be is very interesting and yeah and he gets it like in a way that most other people you know they're just looking at this as the next money opportunity or yeah. something it's like oh yeah there's something else there and i think that helps serve me well in terms of like you know putting in the work building something understanding it but also you know going out there and doing the things like you know I, man like i, I the first Oculus Connect, right? Like yeah. I didn't know anyone. I didn't know anyone at Oculus. I mean, I backed on Kickstarter, but I don't even know how, why they let me in. But like, <laughs> I, I just remember like there, there was a scene where, where I walked through and I was like, oh, there's an indie dev room and it was completely yeah. filled. And I was like, oh man, I want to show off my stuff. So I just like went back to my room, grabbed my backpack, popped it down, just grabbed a couch and just opened Gangster. it up. And I was just like, who wants a demo? And I just made <laughs> like demos yeah. nonstop at Oculus Connect. And that was like one of the craziest moments. And, and, and then what was great was there was actually a panel uh -huh. and it was about like, you know, the, the, the founders of the matrix, you know, the, the creators of the matrix special effects, they're going to be here talking about the metaverse and what they think about, you know, VR. And it was, you know, John Gata and Kim Library, you know, yeah. John Gata, uh, you know, again, he's like the father of bullet time. He was, you know, what was at ILMX Labs, like would would uh, be advisor for Magic Leap. And then Kim Library, you know, CTO of Epic. I mean, again, like these are amazing people doing amazing things. I never thought I'd get to talk to them. In the panel, I was just like, hey, I just want to say, you know, I'm a big fan. And I have this like Matrix demo that me and my friends made, and I would love for you guys to try it. And then the audience clapped, so they were kind of guilted into trying it. So I pull <laughs> a couch out later, and they, they yeah. try it. But like, you know... It, like because of that, you know, like just that that idea of like, oh my gosh, like I got to talk to them. They were super nice, super complimentary. Yeah, stayed in touch with both of them, and and so it's 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 interesting to think like how much that, like you know, again, a demo that you create. If you create something that can be impactful, uh, you know, it can go very far. And and again, it wasn't a lot of work. It wasn't that much effort, but man, it's been so rewarding. It's a combination, though. So, I mean, look at I me. Mean, look at the different the, the confluence, the the mixture of the different skills that you had that came together. Most of the people in the industry, I mean, it's such it was such a flat, and still is flat to get into. You can still get into it and make huge waves, but having the having the reps of running a studio, knowing what studios like, having the rep of talking to investors, the 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 the, the mental or the physical reps of going through that process, going through an incubator and knowing because I've been through them, they suck. They most of the time they suck because they focus on the wrong things, and that's probably a whole other podcast in and of itself. Self. but you have that and then you i mean then you went through and then you had the courage to go and show this off and you basically because you were so infected with the the vr bug you're you're almost like a we, all of a sudden you, you become this vr drug dealer 
where you're like, hey, buddy, you want to try some VR? I'm going to blow your mind, man. And you like you go and you put it on people's heads because you you want them that there is almost no greater feeling than giving the gift of VR for the first time to someone who's never experienced it. And then you watch them just go, what just happened? And then you're like, yes. And then you want to give more of that away. But the, but the courage it took you, because not everybody who uh, ripped all of the Matrix stuff would then go in front of the Matrix people and said, by the way, I've ripped all your stuff. You want to see what I made with it? In front of a crowd of people. You need, but you need that. There's, there's a certain amount of courage that serves you in that space that then opens up doorways of possibilities because without you doing that, then probably X amount of people didn't see you and so forth and so on. So, but, so you needed both the, the skill sets and the mindset to be able to step in, in, those, pa- in those spaces. So... Um, let me let me one thing I want to look at here, just to touch on it, and we're, I'm going to dive into this in a minute. But you, you said you made a couple of investments inside the the VR space. What to you are the ones that have been the the most uh, rewarding to you? What have been the ones that you've you've enjoyed, and why why have been the ones that you've invested in been the ones that you found to be the the um, the most impactful to you, or the most beneficial, or rewarding in one way or another? Like what what about those things made those things good to you? Wow, uh, it's it's tough. To call out, yeah, you know, like one or two, but yeah, you know, I, I will say like uh, you can be like obscure about what the name is if you don't want to offend people. <laughs> no, no, no. no. Like it, it's interesting again. I feel like so. Yeah, you know, we, we've invested very broadly. So yeah. you know, the venture reality fund. Just you know, just to give some more kind of nuts and bolts. Yeah, please. Uh, you know, fifty million dollar fund. We've been around for five and a half years now. We've done over forty investments in the space. About sixty percent on the enterprise side, forty percent on the consumer side. Uh, you know, and, and I, I feel like very fortunate to have backed some of the amazing founders that we have. And again, it's like having been a founder, I, I really know it's like, you know, they're the ones that are doing all the amazing stuff. We just happen to be there to help them out a little early with some capital infusion and a little bit of advice or whatever they you know would need. But again, they're the ones that are doing the amazing stuff. We, we just happen to be lucky enough to support them. And so, you know, but for me, I still feel like, you know, like, Alchemy Labs, they were the creators of the first, you know, VR hit game, uh, Job Simulator. What, what I really like about what they were doing and how they thought about VR, you know, again, they were just like, oh my gosh, they understood VR and what made VR unique in so many different ways where so many people were focused on, you know, kind of, yeah, I, 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 sometimes it's harsh to say this, but like, I feel like people were focused on the wrong things, right? Like people are like, okay, VR needs to be AAA, needs to look amazing, needs to just, you know, it, it's like a PC game plus plus and it was like no alchemy was like okay vr is amazing it's not just what you see though it's how you interact and having that sixth off gesture control having be able yeah. to grab the world and interact with it naturally you know being able to like play with things flip gadgets you know all that kind of stuff like and make it feel good not not just be able to do it but make it feel good while you're doing it that's what they focused all of their attention on and and, and really nailed and i i just remember like you know because you know game developer tons of game developer friends like yeah when they looked at early screenshots and they were like chops them in layer yeah it looks like a kid's game it doesn't look like that great but it's like you're you're judging it from a 2D view without actually having tried it. You don't, you know, it's hard to make that joke. But when you play it and you see kind of the joy that's built into it, the discovery, how they are really saying, hey, you know what? Games are about interaction and yeah. let's make everything interactive, right? Like mm-hmm. let's, let's make the whole world, anything you can do and imagine in this world with the things that we give you in this world, you can do. And the challenge is like, break this. Try to be as crazy as you can. And we've thought of it and we have an answer for you and it'll bring you a smile to your face, right? Like that was way more impressive to me than say, hey, can we just make a a shooter 
run and gun, you know, like, you know, and, and, and try to just, oh, but now you can look 360. Like, that wasn't it. Like, totally I, I love, they, they coined this idea of, like, uh, interaction disappointment. And you don't want to give people interaction <laughs> disappointment. Yeah. And, and for me, it was like, you know, this idea of, like, immersion wasn't just about the world and seeing the world and, and feeling like you're immersed in the world. But that interaction, the object immersion to object presence, right? And if you see something that looks like, uh, you know, a handle on a drawer and you can't open it, that's just that, that's just as bad as, you know, breaking, uh, you know, uh, frame rate. And having the and having tracking being lost, right? Like to me, like that idea of believability of like, hey, you're really in this other world, right? Like all of that. Like so, I I will always think back. And, and again, they did so many first. Like they were the first, I think, to go like make over a million. I think the first to make three million. You know, like that was always like a huge thing. And and then of course, you know, like the next big VR hit game that we invested in was uh, Beat Games, who made Beat Saber. Mm-hmm. And what I really love about you know, like of course brilliant game um you know they were the first to, you know to go platinum they're the first to you know they made over 180 million in three years you know they're the first on so many other levels right like if beat if job simulator was like uh, an alchemy was like you know showing what was you know the, that a hit could be made they were the first ones to go okay this is how big a hit can be and what's really interesting though again looking back at what was possible and you know like who's who's the team who's doing this and it was originally developed by three people from the Czech Republic, right? <laughs> three of them. And they were, you know, again, no funding. It was self-published. No one had ever heard of them. Uh, you know, I, 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 you know, they had a, a, a award-winning, beautifully designed uh, mobile game, uh, mm-hmm. the, the two um, uh, programmers and, and, and designers. And, but they'd never had like this kind of huge success. So a lot of people, you know, they weren't on any winter radar. Yep. And, and, and this was in the, the, deepest darkest times of vr's you know trough winter whatever the analysts were calling it right and yeah. this little team came out and just made the perfect game that we needed and you know it still is the yep. best selling vr game it's like pokemon go you know, of vr it, 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 it's 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 so much it's like it's like the tetris of vr it's it's like the everything of vr it, it is the system seller and what, what i love about the game I and mean, you know again fun to play you know it's actually helped keep me from getting too much covid uh covid weight during this tough time uh but you know it, it's also the best way to get into flow like you know just that flow state that's what i was like, gonna say it's a, one of the best flow generators yeah it's the quickest one because you you can nail that 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 anxiety and 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 difficulty curve and you mm-hmm. can get it because no matter what level you're at from like you instantly get it but you go to expert plus plus and you good luck and yeah. so it is is beautiful it's beautiful yeah. And what, and what I love too, I think it, it tells like when I tell people like, what does VR need? And it's not again, it's not not that I don't love Half Life Alex. I think it is the like amazing on a whole nother level. But yeah. if you're an indie team out there, don't try to make the Half Life Alex. Don't try to overmake your game, right? Like focus on a couple new core mechanics and polish them until they play so well, and then give up excuse for people to come back and keep doing that core mechanic. And I feel like you know Beat Saber nailed that like VR specific you know, core mechanic of slicing and making it, you know, feel so good. And and also too, like they understood, like, I think this is where a lot of other folks got, got it. You know, again, if you're an indie team, have limited resources, auto-making the maps makes sense. It's, 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 it's probably, you know, one of the easiest ways to kind of get more content. But at the same time, they handmade their maps, choreographed their routine because they understood 
that gesture, the, the choreography of a person moving through space is so important. And they nailed that so well. And I just remember like the first time I played it, my aha moment with Beat Saber was like, okay, like when you have to duck against mm -hmm. the wall and then yeah. the next arrows are down arrows. So you have to swing up and you stand up mm -hmm. and, and that like that bio motion, biomechanical motion, right? It's, it's, it's like, that's the right feeling. That's what you physically want to do after you duck. And so they kind of lean into that. So, so I feel like, oh, they choreograph this in a way that's understanding the way that your body wants to move. And, and, and so, you know, there's a great way of how they translated the musicality into a physicality, right? This idea, you know, like, I don't know, they just nailed so many different things in the game design that it looks deceptively easy. And a lot of people kind of wrote it off and they're just like, whatever. And then when they play it, they just can't stop. And they're just like, oh yeah, this is amazing. And I love that. And I, I love that a small team from the Czech Republic did it. And, and, and that's always my thing. It's like, if a team with, you know, self can self-publish a game with no, you know, support from Facebook or any of the platforms and make a huge hit, like that's, that's both when we know that VR is really here like, and that we also know that, you know, the opportunity for a developer, there's no excuse. There's no excuse that anyone couldn't do something, you know, build something great and then have this amazing outcome. A hundred percent. There's, you know, you know, we've, I've ran a number of hackathons and it's amazing how many hackathons I've ran. You look back at Beat Saber and you're like, anybody could, could have made that at a hackathon. They could have made, they could have prototyped the, the general core mechanics, but it was getting it right. And then there were so many things that what I would say it, full body cognition you you get absolute immersion because your entire body is completely engaged from head to body to waist to arms to feet to everything and you lose yourself in the music and in the moment and it is so powerful and then people modding the the crap out of it for whatever legally whatever <laughs> whatever those things are going on without their approval at all but then people doing that it's like everybody loves music but now you took everything i always believe whenever you can take something that people are nostalgic and they love and they merge it with something innovative and new and they can make it into something holistically like no like better that is when all of a sudden people get their mind blown cuz it's like oh i love that song now i get to go i get to go dance a taylor shift shake it up in vr because it's it's just that magic so i i 100% agree with you and it's incredible because you see it you feel it and you realize it makes it possible like it's very hard right now in the movie industry for you to go make a blockbuster hit to go keep up with you know uh, steven spielberg and everybody else and all that fun stuff but right now in the virtual reality space you can make you can still have small people teams and create magic with an innovative mechanic and everything else and be able to just blow the minds um of of these things so that's that's incredible what are you looking at now? What are the? What are the I, areas I did want to say that oh, I, 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 I can continue, keep going continue. about these companies, like because I'm yeah. so proud of our portfolio. But there's one other company I did want to give a shout oh, out to. Go for it. And, and, and I feel terrible because I'm really just focusing on our consumer and our gaming companies as opposed to like, a lot that. of the amazing enterprise companies. But like, yeah. I did want to, yeah. So Rec Room. Oh They're yeah. Another one yeah. of our portfolio investments, and yeah, they are. Yeah, the, the first software VR unicorn, and they're one of our first checks, and we were one of the first checks into the company. Uh, what, what I, you know, again, this idea of what is the killer app for mm -hmm. VR, and you know, obviously the answer is the metaverse, mm -hmm. and this idea of okay, a social experience, mm -hmm. a, a massive social experience where you, you know you're an avatar, you meet with others, you hang out, you play with others, and you can create experiences for other people inside this application. 
and then you can actually charge people and make a living being a creator inside this space, creating and, and doing a lot of this stuff. And so it's like, okay, now you no longer have to use Unity to create an experience that could blow people's minds. Now you can be in Rec Room and you can put on a play of The Princess Bride, which actually a, a high school theater group did. They it's did? amazing, yeah. So oh, they wow. built the costumes, they built the props, they invited people, and you sat there in the audience and you just watched people in VR act out The Princess Bride. You're like, yeah, that's amazing. Like, yeah, or, or you know, you can play games, you can do I mean, escape rooms, like, yeah. you know, just enjoy people's art. Like, they actually had, uh, I experienced it earlier, uh, was they create like, their first developer conference, like RecCon, right? Like, that's mm -hmm. huge, right? Like, you have enough people in your community that are building content, that, you know, using your tools, building stuff for other people to enjoy, that they threw a, co a conference. And what's great was, this was actually thrown by the community. RecCon was actually not created oh, really? by the, the team. It was actually created by, by the community. And so I think there's like so many people inside the community that love Rec Room, building in it, you know, making awesome art, like creating cool games, putting together like you know, interactive components for other people to use in their games. And now they're starting to pay out their creators and, you know, just, just seeing this idea of, okay, like, yeah, like what, to me, what, like, what is a metaverse? And a lot of people get caught up on like in the plumbing. It's like, oh, okay, so it's like a three D internet and this interconnected worlds that you can just hop along along lines to. And I'm like, like, I mean, the plumbing is important. The infrastructure is important. Sure. But for me, I think about the experience. Like for me, it has to be that that, that those those that idea of okay, you can spend an infinite amount of time in this place. You you know have games that you play. It has a wide variety of games you can play. Experiences you can do, like hanging out with other people, going to a play, listening to a concert, you know, going to a dance party, all these different things. So it's not just gaming, right? A, a wide spectrum of activities and pastimes, right? Yeah. But that other angle of unleashing the creativity, right? And then letting people get paid, you know, to, to create creativity, like building something that's of value to other people and then having them say, hey, you know what, Tipitat? I love this. I will pay you to do this again, or I will pay you to wear a shirt that recognizes your achievement in creating this. Like that to me is like the, the full loop that makes a metaverse possible so that you could pretty much like be in this alternative universe, like digital universe, and it's fulfilling and rewarding. It's a value generation ecosystem too. It's like the new YouTube in the space where you, you get in because you're excited, you love the space, but then you become a content creator. If you look at that mastery path, you know, you get in it by yourself, you make some friends, you go through some things, you try out the like the the you know the peas and carrots of the basic stuff that are out there, like the the frisbee and the things, and then you go into like quest modes, then you start to build your own stuff, and then you become a creator, and then it's a really cool pathway that you can see people going through it and just having an amazing time. Rec Room was one of those places that I had one of my first mind-blowing social experiences playing the quest mode, the four mm. players where you're with yeah, your friend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're like, hey, bro, I'm down. Come save my life. And the friend teleports over and tags you and you get resurrected. You're like, yes, I'm back in it. And you're going through it. I remember I remember like a 12-year-old or a 13-year-old came in and just, 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 just power leveled me through. He's like, <laughs> he's like wearing the full decked out get up. And he's like, he's like, Hey, you, you want to come with me? I'm gonna go. Let's, let's don't worry. Keep up with me. And he show, he show me all these hacks. He's like, you can go through the wall. And he's like, I'm just like, who is this beast of a kid? And it was just like, it was really awesome. fun. And it was just magic. And I do agree with you. Rec Room is one of those magic. It's it is a lot of people try to. It needs to be high fidelity. It's got to look super real. You've got to see the entire face. And we know it's not. It's not the case. You don't need that. What you need is immersion. You need to have. You don't. You need to avoid that interaction disappointment. You need to have the ability to connect and then that ultimate series of let people let kids 
be creative. It is something that they crave almost as much as they crave water and food and friendship. And, uh, and you can do it in that space, like, like nowhere else. So I, I completely agree. Uh, anything else you want to say on Rec Room? Because we could go back and forth on this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I mean, there's so much I can say. Like Nick and the team, they, they've all done such amazing work. But the one thing I did, like, I love that yeah. you brought up that 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 when you tag a friend, like for me, that, that moment too of like, oh my God, like they're getting this in a whole nother level is when you're like, oh, how do you revive someone? Okay, mm. do you shoot them with a healing ray? Do you stab mm. them with a syringe? No, mm. you high five them. Like that was so awesome and so powerful. That idea of like, okay, it's like a positive physical interaction that you do in real life. And now you give it a special meaning and a special power in this digital world. Like I loved that. And I love the design yeah. thinking that went into that. And so for me that, you know, those little things just to me, like, you know, were, were like, yeah, this, these guys get it on this whole nother level. I saw something that made me giggle. Uh, and you know, like when um, art affects reality, reality affects art and you go back and forth. So one of the cool things they have in there is the mechanic when you high five particle effects come up. Yeah. Someone someone created some sort of uh, product that was basically a pop gun with a trigger on it. And when you high five each other, part of like you, the pop gun would shoot off the particle effects. That's awesome. I'm like, they recreated Rec Room's high five. <laughs> I was like, that's so great. That's awesome. It's, but that you see, but the, the inspiration, you know, it, it you you get this thing in, in this thing where you're doing it for the joy and then it spreads into reality where, and now you have these, these, you know, rec room cons or rec cons going on. You have all these other ones going on. It starts to spread outwards from that, which is super powerful. Um, yeah. I, one other thing I yeah, did want to yeah. say about rec room and what so, I love about their story again is this idea of like, you know, kind of humble beginnings where they're like, okay, like if you're wanting to build the metaverse, how much does that, how much money do you need? How much does that cost? You know, like, and it was like, well, with today's tools and, you know, with all the infrastructure that's out there, it's like, yeah, if you guys are just, you know, talented team, yeah, they built their first, you know, product, their first version of it with no, you know, outside backing. I think they said it was like in 10 weeks or something like that. They built the first initial version of Rec Room that launched that again, it didn't have all the UGC tools. It didn't have everything, but it had like three or four mini games, had, you know, good multiplayer physics and, you know, people could just jump in and explore it. And it was like a great foundation that they could build on top of right and so you know understanding again this crazy huge idea you know now it's like oh you look at roblox or you look at rec room and you know billion dollar valuation oh my god like they're you know but but where did it start you know what did it take to build it what was the mvp and it wasn't this crazy expensive thing that needed you know tens of millions of dollars what was the genesis of that like how did they they, they just go i want to build the i want to build a metaverse and then like how did they how did they come with that initial concept well, yeah, yeah. So, so really talented team. Uh, they're actually a bunch of a lot of the developers uh, came out from the Microsoft Hololens game studio or application studio team, uh, and they were like, you know, already thinking about like spatial interactions, and they realized early on social interactions were great. But they're like, oh god, like this would be great for playing games. But of course, you know, Hololens was enterprise, and again, yeah, this and this was again before Hololens one had even shipped, and so they're just like, yeah, we want to work on this kind of stuff. Uh, but we want to do it on something for consumers, so that's going to be a VR headset. And so, like CV1, uh, so the original Oculus, the Rift, and the you know HTC Vive, and that's kind of where they were building towards. And you know, they launched, pretty, you know, again, they were just like, okay, they knew how to use Unity, they knew all this stuff. They just went to work and just built something, you know, a pretty amazing very quickly. Got it out there and iterated. And that's the other thing too. It's like you know, they get community feedback. They've been iterating, and I think they were saying something like, oh, we they release an update every week, and they've done that. You know, since <laughs> since they launched what like four or five years ago, and so you know, like okay, yeah, like these guys are 
beasts, <laughs> but yeah. also too, like, you know, thinking about, okay, like, you know, what are the insights they're seeing? You know, how, where's the fun zeroing in on that and not trying to overbuild, not trying to overshoot and just trying to get stuff in front of other people and getting people to play it, give them the feedback and let the community kind of drive it. Like, yeah, I, I think they've been very good about, you know, doing a lot of that and more and aligning it with their bigger vision, right? Like, yeah, that, God, there's so many things that they've done incredibly well. That again, like, yeah. you know, this is all them. Like, I didn't do yeah, anything except for play it and say, oh my gosh, this is amazing, guys. How can I give you money? <laughs> well, it's incredible. Again, you feel it. You feel the magic. When you feel that magic, you know there's something there and then you want to get involved there. And so, and that can start at any stage, right? It can start yeah. as just an idea. That can start as a prototype. That can start as a yeah. full-blown product. Or that can start as like you made some successful like Beat Saber. And now Although I will say with, with VR, it has to be, it's not just an idea. You, it's, it's Like you said, it's on the execution. It's on mm -hmm. the polish, right? Like so mm. There's so many other, you know, slicing games out there. There's so many other, you know, music games out there, but no one had that kind of same kind of polished fidelity and brought it all together in that same way. Where you know, Beat Saber, like yo, yeah, I, I feel like knowing, you know, again, and, and I think a lot of this is saying like, don't try to do too much, but just honing in and perfecting certain parts of this. Um, I think that's the key to success right now in VR. Well, you're totally right. It, it starts with getting a really clear vision on what do you want? What do you, what do you want and why do you want it? And then what about these things? What about VR makes it incredibly awesome and, and awesome and different than any other technology that's come up before it? Now, how do we take what's awesome about VR, what you're passionate about and where you're trying to go, and how do we put that together inside a soup to make our own dish? And that and then that thing comes out with the execution. You try that, and then you can have magic. It's just, it's like coming along those those paths. But they had a clarity of a vision, but then they had the executional chops, which is which is it's it's rare to stack on top of each other. So I completely agree with that. What are your um, what are your thoughts around um, uh, horizons? Um, and what are your thoughts yeah. around that space? I've I've been in there and I've floated around there a little bit. Um, what are your thoughts on them and you know the Oculus's uh, or Facebook's tendency to go into these different social media domains and virtuality being the new social media? Where do you, what do you think is what do you what's your take on that? What's your feelings about that? Where do you see that going? I mean, honestly, there's no surprise, right? Like, absolutely. Like, why is Facebook doing this? Like, yes, they, they want to control the hardware, but they want to control the software that lives on top of it, too. And, you know, they want to invest in the metaverse. They want to create their own version. And, you know, they, they, they've been doing a lot of experiments in social VR, you know, way before Horizons, right? And, and they've had some really interesting visions that were very different from what other people were doing at first. And then, you know, there's this part of me that's like, you know, it's, I, I'm a little disappointed that it's kind of come around to say, oh, it looks a lot like, you know, rec room yeah, and VR chat. But at the same time, it's like, if that's working, of course you would want to follow that. So you don't have, you know, you're not trying to reinvent the wheel, right? And, and I think for them to say, hey, can we, you know, take an experience and refine it and make it more accessible? Uh, you know, I, I think fundamentally that's what Facebook did, right? Like they didn't invent yeah. social networks, right? No. Like they, they, they took Friendster and High Five and it's like, why don't we make a version of that that works better for more people? That's more accessible. Mm -hmm. That's easier to use, you know, take away some of the craziness and polish it and refine it, right? So in a way, I'm like, oh, yeah, this makes a lot of sense, right? Like, this is exactly what Facebook should do. Uh, but at the same time, it's like, you know, this is a very hard problem to solve, and we're we're not close. To, like, and again, they're just in beta. I've got to try it. And I think, you know, there's some good thinking in there. There's some weird thinking in there. Um, and, and, yeah, definitely happy to, like, dive down the rabbit hole about a deeper critique. But, yeah, what, what I think is interesting is, like, well, I, I think, you know, Two things I think have to happen to make this kind of thing work. Well, uh, 
a lot of things, but two things sure. stick out in my mind. One, this is what I think Rec Room did really well, was they had their own platform games that were really, really good, great examples of what is possible in their, you know, quote, unquote, metaverse, right? And, mm -hmm. you know, those games were great, right? Like the Frisbee golf, the, you know, the physics engine in the Frisbee golf felt great. Like throwing something just felt good, right? Mm -hmm. But then, you know, the paintball and then the quests and all these activity, different activities, right? So, like, so I felt like they had a good sense of like things that you want to do. And it, and it let people kind of ease into UGC where you start with mods and remixing as opposed to building from scratch, right? Yeah. So I think that's part of it. And then the next part is like the tools that people have to create stuff and how do you make those tools feel really good? And, you know, the, the one thing I feel is really disappointing is like, you know, they, you know, Oculus has experimented a lot in, in, in tools like Medium and Quill for creating and being creative. And, you know, again, there, there's some technical limitations about what would be possible to make those UGC tools, but those are phenomenal tools. And I wish, and I, and again, I know why this couldn't happen um, from a technical reason, but from a design standpoint though, it's, it, it's like there's this beautiful language of creation in VR that tilt brush medium quill have all kind of demonstrated and i wish that that building in, in the metaverse in horizons or any you know vr tool felt more like that yeah. and leveraged the great art scene of creators that are being created instead of having to go back and then use these like really clunky polygon unlimited polygon tools i mean kind of like left field but i don't know if you've got to try dreams from uh media molecule on the playstation and playstation uh, vr yeah, uh, i tried that but that has the best UGC tools out there right now. And, 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 and again, if you look at the stuff that people are creating, like it is professional and, and like on a next level. Like I'm like, oh my God, like that looks just like really? legit, a real game, a real animation, real 3D art. Like it's not like a dumbed down version. Like I don't want to say dumbed down. I, I, like I don't want to be dismissive of Simplistic. the great work that's being done in these other platforms, but I feel like it's not limited. Right, yeah. like I, I feel like again, if you're thinking blank canvas and unlimited animation, and you know, a lot of it is because you know the underlying infrastructure. You know, they've been working on Dreams for like ten years, and uses like uh, you know SDFs and like you know exotic technology that's not like you know again, uh, you know, not the polygons that everyone's kind of used to. And so there's a lot of new thinking that has to be done around that. And but man, it is just so crazy cool. Uh, so I, I feel like for me, my dream metaverse, and what's yeah. holding Dreams back was that it wasn't social. And again, this could be part of the underlying technology. Like it wasn't real time multiplayer. And so you couldn't, you know, so I, I feel like if someone had that kind of tool set and, and underlying infrastructure of dreams, but in a social environment in VR and mm -hmm. building something, what, you know, again, with, with the gesture controls was just as natural as playing with Legos, you know, that's it. Like that's, that's going to, you know, be the, the super powered metaverse that, that, that I think is going to be the killer app of, you know, VR. Yeah, and when you, just so for clarity, you, you, uh, GC means user-generated content. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, anybody sorry. that has anybody that has tool sets that they want to be able to create, because you can you can create in all these worlds. I mean, there's uh, from Google Blocks, which is probably one of the simplest ones ever. Just which to, is actually one of my favorites. Um, it's, unfortunately, it's kind of discontinued now. Oh, is um, it now? Yeah, like yeah, it hasn't been updated in many years. And then you know, it's connected to Poly, and then Poly's actually going down. I think end of June is when they're officially shutting down. But you can't upload to Poly. Oh. Um, but yeah, no, it, it was great. <laughs> it was great while we had it, while we could enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. that's and that's, I, I remember teaching at one of the hackathons at MIT. I was like, "This is guys, you're a developer. Don't try to do anything else. Just pop, 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 pop." It's like a simplistic thing to get started. Versus, I mean, you're you're looking at something yeah. like um, a Maya or these other types yeah, of tools yeah, yeah, that yeah. that are what you you know the high end stuff that takes that takes more effort. But people, we we will get there. 
virtual reality is a constant thing of, oh, you have a you have a five pound bag, let's shove 10 pounds of crap in it. Oh, you have a 10 pound bag, let's put in 15. And so as we're, you know, as we're getting through these things, you know, there will be a point where, you know, something like Dream and the other ones where they're gonna be able to stream the data off of some sort of Amazon servers that allows you to come down so that everybody can do it in real time because we're blowing things through the 5G network. Like all that stuff's coming. It's all gonna be here at some point, but but you, it's being someone who's in the VR space, you have, you have a you have a vision of how far out you can see. Like maybe you can see out five years and it gets a little fuzzier at 10 and 15 and 30, who knows, right? Elon Musk Neuralink in the brain or something like that. Who 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 knows? But like as you as you come along these steps and you try these things out, your your vision not only you can see farther out, but you can also see a bit clearer as you as you go out from here. Cause that from trying these experiences from the beginning to now, what do you see? On the horizon, no pun intended. What do you see? Uh, what do you see on the horizon, or what do you see in the future coming up um, for these types of technologies? What are the ones like Dreamlands, one of those types of content creation tools? What are the other areas and sectors and things um, uh, that you see that are are real big opportunities or things that that uh, are have yet to really be explored? Sure. I, I mean, honestly, there's an infinite amount of things <laughs> left to be explored. So, how yeah, about we, we can talk for all day, but. I, yeah. Well, okay. Actually, this is one I, I want to give a warning about. Like, I feel like right now there's a lot of excitement for you know AR glasses, and and, and I'm excited for AR glasses, right? But I think mm. you know you talk to most people and you're like, it's for consumer AR glasses. It's still a long time away, and you know I think the biggest like I think VR and what we've experienced with VR and what we've learned from VR should inform us about you know what's going to be what's going to make sense and what's really going to work for AR. And I, I feel like there's a lot of people, you know, and I, I love that people are putting stuff out there and trying different things. So I don't want to be like, hey, no, this is going to be terrible. Don't even look at it. But I'm just saying, hey, hold your expectations or just you know, be real, realistic about your expectations. But then think too, like for me, VR and AR, right? Fundamentally, it's not just about what you see. It's how you interact, mm -hmm. right? And this yeah. is why, like for me, like, why 3DOF VR never took off, right? Why mobile phone VR never took off, right? And this is why like mobile AR has, hasn't taken off, right? And it's yeah. because it's not just seeing an immersive world, but it's also being able to interact with it in a natural way, mm. right? And so having six degrees of freedom head tracking, but also hand tracking and being able to manipulate the world in a way that is natural, makes sense, is intuitive, that's so powerful. And so, yeah, you know, like we, we look back at, at VR and you're like, okay, the 3DOF VR with their like 3DOF controllers didn't, you know, wasn't successful in the market, you know, developed. And by success, I don't want to say like how many units shipped. I want to say, did it build an ecosystem where developers were making millions of dollars in revenue? And that yeah. didn't happen, right? And, and so even with, uh, th there were some 6DOF headsets that had no 6DOF controllers, that had 3DOF controller. So there was like uh, the, the original Vive Focus and the, and the uh, uh, Daydream. There was a version of the Daydream that was put out that had 6DOF. Okay, 6DOF tracking, but only for the head, not for the hands. Yeah. And so, again, it was what, what you could see, but not what you can interact. And those products were you know dead in the market, and no one knows about them or thinks about them now. But then, of course, you know, when the Quest came out, six degrees tracking in the head and the hands in a great form factor, you know, portable, mm -hmm. untethered, and at a ridiculously crazy price point, you know, VR really took off. And so when people are like saying, hey, you know, th their AR headsets that are coming out, 
and you're like, oh, okay. And people are like, oh, the FOV isn't that great, or oh, the resolution should be better. I'm, I'm still always like, what's the input? And if yeah. I can't interact with that, if I can't interact with a hologram as naturally as you know, playing with Legos or like you know, picking up an apple, like, is that really going to be useful? Is that yeah. going to be functional enough for developers to create apps that will generate you know, real revenue, real retention and engagement? I, I'm very skeptical from the lessons that we have in VR. And so, yeah. Yeah, and just note on that, I do want to continue, but note on that, the, the one thing I've ever seen with augmented reality is if you go to the AUG conference anywhere else, augmented reality is really enterprise solution-based stuff. And why is that? Because really it's, it's all things that you have to do, not because you want to do it because it's necessary. And the real value add from that is what do you have? You have what? Remote expert assistance. Someone telling you to cut the blue wire, not the red wire. You have, you have uh, XR collaboration or AR collaboration where you have multiple people in an environment, which can basically also be done with VR, but better. And then, and then thirdly, you, you have data overlays where if you hold up a wine bottle, it will give you all the ratings in the wine bottle and everyone who's thumbed it up or thumbs it down. Those are really the only major value sets inside of those. And none of those people really haven't figured out a way to make that entirely fun other than Pokemon Go, where they basically had to gamify the planet and create this whole scavenger hunt around the world to make that. And that novelty, you know, blew our minds of what was possible. And then it turned it into an experience where basically the world became your virtual reality, augmented reality environment that you played in. And since then, even like, uh, you know, Wizards of Harry Potterness was a flop by comparison because it's still like, there's not that, you know, you, you can't find the fun and you don't feel like you have as much um you don't lose yourself as much in the environment and you don't really it's not a thing i i i'm glad you brought up her, uh, harry potter and, and pokemon go and i'm a huge fan of pokemon go a huge fan of niantic and the work they're, they're doing but mm. i always push back on like yeah is is pokemon go ar you know it's really you know, location-based gaming but what yeah. i think is actually more interesting is what we've learned since the pandemic mm. so pokemon go has made more money during the pandemic than it's ever made really because a lot of it's because because they turned off a lot of the location-based features that limited how much you could play. And so when people are like, oh, is Pokemon Go an example of AR? And I'm like, well, if we look at the revenue, I think a strong argument could be made that AR held, or location-based gaming, held back Pokemon's full potential. Oh. And that the, was... <laughs> and that the potential of the Pokemon IP for a mobile game is just way bigger. And that, you know, again, if they weren't limited by having to explore the world and that they could play from the comfort of their own home as much as they want, then they would have monetized better and they would have made more money. That's interesting. Well, it's almost like a food truck. It was it was a, it was more of a marketing play where you saw hundreds of people in the streets. You're like, what is that? And then that spread because no other game do you have hundreds of people in the streets. So more like a food truck gets awareness by being out in the space. Then people know about it, and then they go back and they build a restaurant or whatever else. Mm -hmm. That's the same type of thing. So you're right on that one. But that's the only one that I have when I'm thinking of. But you're, you're fun, absolutely right. I mean, there are a bunch AR of games. other location-based games like you know using some of the biggest IP from Harry Potter, Jurassic Park. You know. Um, the walking dead and none of them really like, you know, had had huge impact in the market in a meaningful way. But, you know, again, I, I do feel like a lot of this is also like mobile AR where you're like, Hey, I'm looking at, you know, holograms in the real world, but I still interact with them in a 2d screen that it, it's like, it's like how the mouse and the keyboard or the gamepad is the wrong interface for VR. Yes. You know, a touch screen is still the wrong interface to really unlock the power of AR. And right. so, you know, so, um, yeah. so with that, what are you looking at now? So we know that AR is not a thing, and depending on the input field and what do you have, I mean, you, you, well, you want to have again. We've been talking about consumer AR, you know, and yeah. like you said, there are a bunch of actual real AR uses, especially in enterprise, and of course, you know, using AR headsets for the enterprise, which are very expensive. But you know, the government just you know gave Microsoft a 
$22 billion uh, uh, fund, uh, uh, you know, contract that yeah. essentially is saying, yeah, like AR is absolutely the future, right? But yeah. so, but unwinding that and like, you know, what yeah. are we looking at? I mean, honestly, we're still looking for these driver applications, whether they be games, you know, social applications, uh, you know, really anything re that we think makes sense. But what's really interesting is like, you know, the market's changed. Now there's a pretty huge, well, relatively big consumer install base of VR that we've never seen before in the history of time. And, you know, like now apps like, you know, fitness apps and other things, you know, beyond just gaming makes a lot of sense. And I think we're going to even see more and more different types of apps, right? Uh, I, I think, so I still think, you know, gaming, but when we're talking about like what type of gaming, mm -hmm. I, I do look for, again, it's not about saying, hey, can we build a AAA, you know, Fortnite competitor or, you know, like something like that. I'm like, no, no, no. Who's thinking about core game mechanics? that really are native to vr that you can't play anywhere else that you have to play and experience and and again who's really thinking about like things that are really kind of you know maybe like oh hey like i didn't know if that'd be good but then when you play it you're like oh my gosh this is amazing and i can't put this down yeah and i feel like i love experiencing that again right like you're like oh yeah it's like hits you like, you're like oh yeah they're onto something here and you know it's it's amazing and you know even on the enterprise side too, like I, I look for things like, okay, not just who's saving money, right? Mm -hmm. Trying to think, think like that's important, but who's doing the impossible, right? Like, you know, again, on the healthcare side, you know, we invest in a company called Vivid Vision, who is actually strengthening people's eyes using VR. And yeah, you know, people are always like, oh, VR, is it bad for your eyes? And I'm like, well, here's a company that's actually using VR technology to improve people's eyesight, curing people of their, you know, uh, diplopia or lazy eye, right? And, and and showing you know that you can strengthen your eyes using this VR as a training tool. So like I feel like what's really interesting is for them, you know, the current treatment is like looking at a piece of paper and like look and and physically like moving your eyes around or like playing an iPad game. And that treatment only works for juveniles, like only effective for kids. Mm -hmm. And it's like you know again again it's not like even super effective, right? So they're more effective than the current treatments for kids, but then they can actually treat adults. And so there's a whole population that were, you know, untreatable except for the ones that could do some surgery. But now here's a non-surgical way to, you know, cure people. And so thinking, okay, yeah, like what can VR be used for that's never been kind of done before, hasn't been really accessible, but can, you know, change people's lives, right? Like I think at the end of the day, that, like that's a lot of the stuff that we're looking for. That's that's epic. Well, on that note, so, so one of the areas that I've been highly um, interested in, a lot of the work that I've been doing re recently um, <laughs> And I think we're going to dive into this, but we're here. So, is really looking at what I, what I think is being birthed now is what I would call the the transformational economy. There is a thing being birthed right now where you're using VR and entertainment to come together in a way that actually it's not only fun, but it helps you be better. It helps you lose weight. It helps you lose your fear of heights. It helps your eyesight get better. It helps you end in a way that's so engaging and so fun that you really kind of lose yourself. And you don't realize that that's actually changing who you are in a way to actually get you to where you want to go. And like the like fear of heights or any of those other things. What is your thoughts around transformational VR? What are your thoughts around this kind of entertainment meets helps you be better stuff? Do you have any thoughts on that kind of things? Because I, I feel it's kind of what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. I, haven't, I haven't really heard too many people talk about this space too much. No, absolutely. I mean, I, I think fundamentally, right? Like the idea of like, you know, not only will this get you more, you know, more engaged, but can this be beneficial for your uh, for your health or for your mental mm -hmm. health or for like all that stuff is, is I think, key but what I, I think is really important though too is how, how do we make it effective and i think 
there is a way of saying, yeah, like, like for me, like Beat Saber is the most effective, like fitness VR game. And that, you know, again, thinking back, it's like, well, yeah, you could do other exercises, you know, better that would work you out better. But the idea is like the game is so fun that you'll play it for those hours, right? Like, and, and, and that you forget and you're not, you know, you're not thinking you're exercising. It's almost like, what if there's someone who invented ice cream that was good for you? Like, oh my God, right? Like, to me, that, that that's like, that's what Beat Saber is, that's the holy grail, right? So it's like, yeah. I, I feel like, you know, like, I feel there's so many people that okay no okay yeah VR is great for fitness we're gonna build this specific fitness game and, and that's a great idea it's it's good I don't want to knock them but for me I'm always like oh my gosh it's more fascinating where it's like oh my gosh Beat Saber is so good and it's getting these results like unintentionally but they're real results and they're huge and it's like that's what you kind of lean into and it's almost like the kind of way too like now they're using Angry Birds to teach physics in classrooms or you know they're using Minecraft for education oh, where you're like okay cool. you, you know it, it, yeah. it it's like start with something fun and amazing and then add like the the health or, or the good transformative benefits on top of it I, I think makes a lot of sense because again I, I think if you focus on just the health benefits and and the core it's like are you really going to get a lot of people to adopt it and to do it and if you're not like getting that fundamental especially like hooking into that uh really great fun factor like finding the fun to make it something that people want to continue to do i think then it'll become a chore and then it won't be as compelling or effective you're you are 100 right and that's my that's my whole theory around burning man like like burning man itself like have you ever been i don't know if you've ever been to burning i've man only been to the virtual one that they did last year oh, okay so uh, similar similar no, 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 no. Uh, <laughs> but you look at it it's like okay the the, the whole thing with like getting better at something is generally you, you like the result, you hate the process, right? Mm -hmm. And it's like, it's, it's boring. It's like that. And, and so many like education, um, entertainment, uh, other things in that space, they're not fun. They are work. Mm -hmm. And then they throw what, what, what people that don't have experience in gamification call gamification points, mm -hmm. levels, and badges, right? Mm -hmm. They're like points, levels, and badges, but sweep the floor, do the dishes. And you're like, this is not fun. This is terrible versus having something that's so compellingly fun. But then the byproduct of the activity is the transformation. Jumping off the edge of the roof just to see if you can survive was the fun part. The byproduct was not, was, was the losing the fear of falling from that. And so I, I think you're hundred percent right. The same thing why like Disney and all those other things back in the day would make amazing movies that would give you a little tear and that kind of stuff. And then there might be a lesson put in there, but if you have it the other way around, you'll check it out once. And then it's just like, it's like, it's like the, um, uh, what do you call that thing? Uh, uh, the the trough of disillusionment when you when, mm. when, they, when the when you look at that the faces and they look too they look, they <laughs> yeah the uncanny valley uncanny valley right you're like you're trying to trick me you're trying to make me I don't believe you and you like you don't want to do it versus like you know a shiny little pup that's like hey nice to see you you want to have some fun you're like cool I get it I get it you're you're fake let's have some let's have a good time so I think you're totally right on that point focusing on the fun first and having the other thing be the bride product otherwise. If you make it into work, nobody wants to do work. We ideally yeah. want to play like very much like you're playing right now. I the energy I get from you in this conversation is you're not working. You're like, oh, I gotta, I gotta go try this other core mechanic from this company, and ugh, doesn't sound like you. Clearly, it's a, it's it, your the the energy that you get to carry on is from, from the joy, and the byproduct is making the money of everything uh, else and the investment. I, 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 I like your way of putting it but yeah i, I think it, it's tough though like yeah after trying you know your, your like 10th bad demo in a row that yeah. kind of makes you sick because <laughs> it's not hitting performance you know it, it can be tough sometimes yeah. but honestly though but i i am lucky to have this job and again yeah. I, I 
I've been an entrepreneur and I know yeah. how tough it is out there. And so, yeah, I, I, I'm always trying to think about th through that lens of, okay, what was it like when I was an entrepreneur talking to investors and, you know, trying to make sure I can give real feedback and, you know, be helpful even if I don't invest. I, I think, you know, th that's, you know, a lot of what my partner Marco has taught me too, of like, you know, how do we add value in this ecosystem? How do we, you know, be good partners? How do we be the best, you know, that we can do for the whole ecosystem and not just, you know, yeah. focused on our portfolio and, you know, what we're trying to do. But, you know, just again, I, I think when we look at, you know, what's possible, you know, how we want to spend our time because we have, you know, finite time on this rock, you know, what can we do that's impactful and valuable and, and helpful? And, mm. you know, I, I've been very fortunate in my career, but I've had lots of, of, of ups and downs, you know, lots of learnings. I, you know, most of the startups I was at, pretty spectacular failures. Yeah. Um, and so I feel very fortunate now to be in a position where I can, you know, hopefully give some advice based off of the hard lear learnings and lessons I've had and, you know, try to be supportive in this, you know, yeah. and again, it is that weird thing where, you know, you're like, everyone's like, oh yeah, like, you know, VR is taking off, everyone's going to be making money. No, it's, it's still hard. Like yeah. that's the thing people forget is just like, you know, in general, startups are tough no matter what, uh, you know, ecosystem, no matter, you know, what technology stack you're using, right? Like trying to be a startup, you know, nine out of 10 fail, like, you know, it's, it's definitely not, there's no guarantees, no one deserves or gets to do, you know, like, no, it, yeah, there's no entitlements here. You know, yeah. everyone has to work with their butts off and there's still no guarantee it's going to work. No, it's funny. A lot of people look at like, uh, success, like, uh, like pregnancy. They, they they turn to you and go congratulations, but they don't realize how many times you had to get screwed for that to happen. You nice, know? Like, nice. But it's true; it really yeah. is. You go do it, but you have to you have to have a passion for it. You have to have you have to have something that keeps you going. And at the same time, and correct me if I'm wrong here, because I had the here's my personal experience on some of these pieces. You get your mind blown with the DK one or DK two. You're like, oh my god, anything's possible. You try a bunch, you get sick a bunch, you start to lose that momentum, and then all of a sudden, I hit social. I had that magic moment, like in rec room. I'm like, oh my God, anything's possible again. And then you start to lose things again. But then you find something else that hits you. Like it could be create, the creation with the dreams uh, and, and uh, place of yeah. And you go, oh my God, it's amazing again. And then you get jaded a bit. And you're, and you're almost like a seeking that next mind blowing experience. One could be to help them and aid them and help them along the path. But the other one is it reignites that fire in your soul, uh, that magic, that discovery of being a kid and coming across that thing that you weren't expecting and then mind being blown, I mm -hmm. feel like that's also a part of it. So yeah, you, there is some suffering with having to entertain anybody, but there is that one when you try out the headset and you're like, wait a second, wait a second. And so um, is it, do, am I on with that? Is, are yeah, you yeah, no, no, absolutely. Okay. I, I think there's definitely that sense of like, okay, oh my gosh, like that, this idea of, you know, like when you're designing something, you know, yeah. Who are you designing it for? And, and like, you know, are you, you know, like, and also too, like, are you learning? Are you trying other things that are out there and are you being informed by what's out there? I think that this is what's good for people that are coming to it now where, you know, again, you have so much to learn from both from the successes and the failures, right? And so, yeah, like, I always think like, at, like people that were doing this without a net, you know, without any kind of, you know, forebears, without a Beat Saber or without, a, uh, you know, job similar or a rec room to kind of show, oh, hey, this works, this doesn't work. Yeah, I think that was so much tougher now. And now it's like, okay, now we see the super hots. We see these other things and we're like, okay, this works, this doesn't work. Like, God, there's so much learning out there that, yeah, you know, there's so many people that are new to this that are still kind of like, oh, well, I, I don't know. 
and what I think of too, like when I think of like a founder and a founder mindset, like when I show people like, or when I talk to people about VR and they'll be like, oh yeah, I've tried it. There's nothing I've really, you know, there's nothing I want to play yet on it or, you know, none of the stuff looks like it's for me. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. But they're obviously not a founder, not a creator. Cause the person that sees that and says, this is the opportunity yeah. to create that thing that I don't see that I think will be fantastic. Right. Like I, th- that, that, that like fine line of like, Oh, I'm not interested because it does, because people haven't already created what I want versus, yeah. Oh, Hey, this is the opportunity to create what I want on this amazing canvas that anything is possible. So just to hop on that one. So, um, I'll, I mentioned a little bit before about the, we're making a, a VR esports game. The way that happened is I was in a room with a dude, a uh, very successful entrepreneur dude. Uh, he just got the quest headset and he's just like, man, he's like, this is great. He's like, but there isn't what I want to see. There's something I want. I'm like, I was like, uh, and he's like, I want to do a multiplayer. Da, da, da. I was like, uh, yeah, that's, that's, uh, I can, I can do that for you. Um, and he, uh, is amazing human, got that entrepreneur mindset. And so we invented a whole new locomotion mechanic that you, I guarantee you've never seen before. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong tip of that, but at some point, uh, we'll, we'll get you into the beta test and showing you, but that, but that he had that mindset, that entrepreneur mindset where anything's possible. He didn't see what he didn't see what was out there. And so he created what he wanted to based on the whole, like, you know, like it's possible. I, we can figure it out. Just got to put in the time and find and find that fun and find that magic. But the people that have that, like, no, it's not here yet. I got to have those. I got to have the Alex half-life everything before it's ready. Like they'll never be able to integrate and innovate and you'll never, they won't find that. So you need that. You both need to try the things and have the belief that what you want isn't out there yet. And you've got to be willing to go for it and, mm-hmm. and let that magic. Cause you can't, you can't always predict it. You've kind of got to step into it, you know? So, yeah. um, yeah, so I love it. At some point we'll, we'll, we'll get you into that thing. Um, <laughs> awesome. I look forward what, to it. Man. What, what, uh, what, um, what advice coming, coming towards the end here? Cause you've been more yeah, than gracious sure. for the time. What advice would you give, uh, young and up and coming? Let's just say they, they don't even, they don't know anything. They, maybe they just bought a quest headset. You know, it's like, you know, for us, when you get the Nintendo when you're a kid and you wrap your arm, it's Christmas day and you start to cry. Yeah. Um, they, they just got it. Maybe they're a young kid. They don't know any, they're not technical. They're not anything. They get into it. They try it out. Minds blown. They want to, they want to get into this. They want to get involved. They want to make stuff and do stuff, but they want to, they want to, they want to, they want to, you know, be a VR entrepreneur in the space. What advice would you give to them just starting out? In right now in this day and time, what what would you say? Well, I'd say a lot, but two things. Like one is try everything. Yeah. Right. Try yeah. everything, and then what I would say too is prototype your ideas in Rec Room, or in VR Chat, or in um, Dreams. Right. Like there are these interesting tools, or, or like even if you don't know three D modeling, if you don't know uh, you know Unity. That there are other ways to, to, to at least test out some of these ideas that you have and put them in front of other people and see if it sticks, see if it's interesting. Yeah, you know, I, I feel like the barrier to entry to be a creator in VR has never been lower. And I, I love that. And I love, you know, to see the creativity that people are doing. And there's no gatekeepers, you know, like you don't need a lot of money to do something like that. And anyone can do it and make something amazing. So make something is really the key thing here is what I'm saying. It's like, you know, be a creator, make something. The other thing I'd say too is like, you know, there are a lot of people that are like, hey, you know, I love you. I think it's really interesting. And they're like, I, I want to do a startup. And it's like, you know, to, like being a founder, it's tough. It's rough. And, you know, like I, I would say it's not for everyone or everyone at, at certain points in your life. And, you know, 
I would say, you know, if you're really interested or passionate about VR, you know, think about joining the startups that already exist or the big companies that are already, you know, doing big things and, and doing interesting work. And so you're like, okay, I'm passionate about healthcare and VR. Oh, I got to do a VR startup now. It's like, no, there's enough VR healthcare startups that are looking for good people that you yeah. could join them and, and and think about like, you know, think big picture too. Like, don't, like, don't think, oh, okay. Uh, you know, anyone can do a startup. I'm just going to run and just do the startup. Like, like for me, I was like, when I want to do my mobile game startup, I'm like, oh, I've been a game artist. Like, yeah, I've been been in the game industries, but I've never been a you know CEO. I've never been a project manager. I don't know much about you know retention engagement metrics, like how to run the business side of it. So mm -hmm. when I went, I like when I decided I wanted to do a, a mobile game startup, mm -hmm. my first thing wasn't to raise money and, and build a demo and go do it. I was like, okay, I want to spend six months to a year at a re real game company, learn the ins and outs of the business side and try to understand that and, and try to up my skills and then go out and then do this right. Right. Like, so in those ways, just thinking like, you know, personal development, like, okay, what are the things that you're lacking that will make you more successful? And how do you add that as quick as you can? And some of it could be, okay, no, you know what? I, maybe you have all you need and maybe you can do it and jump into a start, but you know, I've gotten so many pitches from people that I feel like, you know, could have gone through that. Like, oh, okay, you know what? Like maybe jumping and doing a, your first startup at this, you know, and, and founding it yourself might not be the best path for you. And maybe, you know, it is better to go work at a Facebook and, and also to mm -hmm. not just to learn, but to build your network yeah. of not just who you're going to work with when you, when you start up your own team, but also who could be potential investors in you and like, you know, angel investors when you're first trying to get this off the ground. So I feel like, you know, I think it's really trendy for people to come like out of school. Anyone can do a startup, right? Um, but you know, I, I think at the same time, yeah, it's like okay, that could be a path. But also too, like working for the big companies, learning, building your network, you know, upping your skills. All these other things are so valuable that you know, I would think about that as well. Totally right. Yeah, looking at you know, if you if you want to change the world, change yourself. Look at what skills you need to get to where you need to get to. Figure out what's the best way to get there. Be patient with yourself. You can do it. Uh, there's a bunch of different ways to, to up level your skills with those types of join a big studio because you can kind of see the ecosystem and figure out what you want to do different or join a small startup and see what they're doing and figure out what you want to do to join an incubator, find out why that sucks and go and do something different. There's, there's a bunch of different ways to, to, to get those skill sets, but trying to like, you know, have that grand thing out the gate without the, the skills needed is, you know, you're going to, you're going to, you're going to learn and, and burn a little bit along the way. So um, I think it's fantastic advice. Is is there any last things you'd like to say? Any parting words before you let people uh, know how they could find out more about what you do or get a hold of you? Sure. Well, first, let's get that out of the way. I'm super yeah. easy to find online. You know, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Tipitat, T-I-P-A-T-A-T. -A -A -T. We have a website, uh, you know, thevrfund.com. You know, check it out. Of course, you can always email me. I'm Tipitat at thevrfund.com. And, you know, honestly, uh, you know, happy to talk to anyone at any stage, you know, anyone that's in this space, uh, you know, happy to give you perspective, you know, happy to tell you why I won't invest in what you're working on, or at least not yet. Yeah. Uh, but, but, you know, more importantly, too, like, just, again, trying to hopefully, you know, direct people to good opportunity, you know, or, or connections in terms of like, okay, what can they be thinking about? What should they be aware of? Or who they can partner with? You know, I, I think the, the thing I would say the most is like, you know, again, like right now is the time and, you know, the cost to create a startup, you know, I told you not to do a startup now, but the cost to build something, right? Like, like, don't worry about startup. Just the cost to build something is really just your time.
And, you know, like, I think back about, you know, again, this demo that changed my life. You know, Unity was free. Um, I stole assets. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I, I did make stuff, though. I did make some 3D models. You, I, and, you innovated. Animated. And, and, yeah. and I was fortunate enough to put something janky out there that attracted real professional talent that said, hey, yeah. let's collaborate, right? Yeah. And, and we took a chance on each other. Like, I, I'd never met them before. Like, we actually never physically met. And we just communicated by text. I think we had a, a phone call at the end of the project to just wrap it up. Wow. And, and so, like, yeah. But, but I feel like this idea of, like, you know, what you can create, like what's what, what one or two people can create now, you know, the tools that are available, especially with leveraging rec room or these existing platforms, you know, like, gosh, it's, it's, it's never been a better time to be a creator and, uh, you know, build something amazing and don't, don't stop until it's amazing. Don't stop till it's amazing. Beautiful. Uh, Tipitat, uh, you are a gem. I really appreciate your time, brother. Uh, this was super fun. Um, uh, this is going to be something I think people can listen to and get a lot from. Um, so thank you so much for everything that you do and supporting the industry. And I forget how many demos you do a year. I forgot there was a huge number. Um, <laughs> I, I, I was like, how, how do you even do that in the amount of time? So thank you for uh, however much VR sickness you've gotten to support the industry. Um, we very much appreciate it. So uh, and uh, I look forward to seeing you um, in virtual reality. I look forward to trying the awesomeness that you're working on. So let me know whenever that's ready. Uh, but no, thank you so much. It's been yeah. a great conversation. I feel like I got to go a lot deeper than I usually get to do. And yeah, yeah. It's, it's definitely, you know, uh, one of those things where, yeah, we've been at this for a while now, you know, thinking back about like, the first couple of times we met and, you know, where we are now and, and how this industry's really grown. And I, I still I have to pinch myself. I can't believe like, oh my gosh, like it's here, it's happening. Everything that we've dreamed of, you know, it, it, yeah. it's finally coming to fruition and, I'm just so excited to see like, you know, some of the other creators that we've been in the trenches with and, you know, that have been around this, like, you know, it's really starting to pay off. And, you know, just the only other thing I want to say is, you know, again, just support developers, buy the games, try everything, you know, leave reviews, give comments, you know. Uh, yeah, but just it's an exciting time. What what, what are you playing right now? Is, is there anything that's really caught, caught your eye? Um, Plane-wise, uh, let's see what games I've been into. I was playing the Star Wars uh, Galaxy's Edge quite a bit. That one I was enjoying, just kind of going through and just playing some of the mechanics. Uh, I played a little bit Sprint Vector. Uh, no, that's right, not Sprint Vector. I'm going to take that back. Uh, Hyper Dash. Hyper Dash, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was doing some Hyper Dash for a bit, um, checking out some of the new Rec Room stuff. Um, and uh, there was another one I can't – I was playing The Room a bit. Um, okay, it's been, yeah. It's been a while, so – so those are some of the ones I've been kind of playing around with a bit, and they're 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 super fun. But you just keep you kind of like pick them out, and you try them for a little bit, you see what's interesting, what's engaging. Um, but yeah, those are my main ones. Right now, I want to give a plug to uh, Demio, made by my good friend Tommy and, and the team at Resolution yeah. Games. Uh, it's a turn-based tabletop like D and D board game in VR, like D and D style board game in oh, VR. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely one of those where people are like, oh, I don't know, like you know, I, I want to you know be the person i don't want to control the little figurines but yeah you know, again that social experience it's it's magical it's fun i think they really nailed it um yeah i think it's it's, it's a great game and i highly recommend it i feel like what do they find there's so many good games um, so, so this is on the quest and on steam okay. got it got it i haven't seen it yet okay yeah yeah definitely definitely worth checking out so demio d-e-m-e-o um and there's so many other great vr games out there too i, I can keep plugging but i just want to give a special shout out mm. to that because that's the one that i'm currently the most obsessed with Love it, man. I appreciate that. I, I remember the industry where, you, you know, the Tuscany demo was the only thing out there. <laughs> and uh, and now to kind of like come across like, oh, this is a gem that I haven't, I haven't tried out yet. So uh, thank you. And I tip this. This has been a pleasure, man. I really appreciate your time, brother.
Um, have a beautiful day and we'll see you soon, okay? All right, thanks so much. Really enjoyed Thank the conversation. You, you too, care. brother. Me too. Bye now. Thank you for listening to the Heroes of Reality podcast. Check out heroesofreality.com for more episodes. While you're there, you can also take the Heroes quiz to find out what kind of hero you are. Or if you have a great story and want to be on the podcast, tell us why your hero's journey will inspire others. Thank you for listening. See you on the other side.